Hey, Joe. Hey, Samantha. How does a seahorse quickly get from one place to another? Hmm, I don't really know. He scallops. Oh. Hey, Jen. Yeah, Joe? What do you get when you cross the head of a tiny horse with the body of a tiny kangaroo with the tail of a tiny monkey and its body is covered in tiny plates? I am sure I do not know. It's a seahorse. <laughs> oh, we're talking all about the lives of seahorses, a really awesome fish found along the Jersey Shore on this episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the, the podcast. podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Get all the birds up in the sky Saying in the bay What will we find today? We gotta save coastal wildlife Where the horseshoe crabs and the osprey play Save coastal wildlife On the shores and in the bay Everybody, hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. We are so happy that you're here. It's the Valentine's Day edition of Save Coast to Wildlife, the, the podcast. podcast. And we couldn't think of a better people than you to share this podcast with and an animal explore more about Valentine's Day than the beloved seahorse. I mean, who doesn't love seahorses? I love them. Yeah. I, I, I used to think they weren't even real. No, they're real. They're really real. First off, let me just say that seahorses are real, and they're fish. They're really fish. Sure, they look unlike a typical fish. In fact, at one time, seahorses were considered large shrimp or even um, insects, marine insects. I can see that. They're yeah. like the black sheep of the fish family. Yeah, yeah. But seahorses really are fish. They live in water, breathe through gills, and have a swim bladder. Seahorses are fish. They just look a little, you know, a little weird. That's all. Just like some people, like me. Yeah, they're called seahorses because of their horse-like heads. Even their scientific name is based on the Greek word for horse. Hippocampus comes from the ancient Greek word hippocampos. Itself from hippos, meaning horse, and campos, meaning sea monster. So technically, they're a horsey sea monster. Yeah, yeah. The fins on the sides of their heads can beat up to 50 times a second, and their tails have evolved to hold onto or grasp objects, just like a monkey's tail does. And males possess a marsupial... I can't pronounce that word. Marsupial. Yeah, like pouch, where young seahorses can develop. And just like shoes, seahorses come in all different sizes. The small species is only about a half inch tall, little tiny seahorse. Oh, so cute. And the Satomi's pygmy seahorse was named in 2008 as the world's smallest seahorse. They've been found in only a few places in Indonesia and northern Borneo. But because they're so small, pygmy seahorses are difficult to find. But when it comes to the largest seahorse in the world, there's some competition. Really? Yeah. You know, according to the Aquarium of San Pedro, California, the coastal waters of Southern California are home to the giant Pacific seahorse. This, uh, this seahorse species is the largest and the longest lived in the world with full-grown adults measuring 12 inches and living up to six years. That's a big seahorse. It's a big yeah. seahorse, but there's even bigger ones because in 2015, 
A 13-inch spiny seahorse was accidentally hauled up into a net when somebody was fishing for mullet in Pool Harbor, Dorset, along the southern coast of England. If you think 13 inches is really big, and to some that is. Yeah. But according to Wikipedia, and we know we should all trust Wikipedia, the largest seahorses are big belly seahorses. The big belly seahorse, or the pot-bellied seahorse, named after me, of course, is the largest seahorse species in the world with a length of up to 14 inches. 14 inches, and it's the largest seahorse in Australia, where things are always a little weird anyway to begin with. Sure. Yeah, something in the water there. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's a home with a box jellyfish, which is the most dangerous jellyfish in the world. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the Jersey Shore also has a seahorse, ladies. Yes, I have seen them. Yeah, have you really? We've picked one up in a seine net once or twice. Yeah, that's true. You know, what many people don't realize is that the Jersey Shore, from New York Harbor to Delaware Bay, is home to one of the species of seahorses. There's only one species, only one, that's native to the Jersey Shore. Anybody know the name of that seahorse? I know the name. What's the name? The Northern Line Seahorse. It's the Northern Line Seahorse. That's correct, Samantha. Do you know the scientific name of that seahorse? I do. What's Hippocampus the... erectus. Hippocampus erectus. Is that a very erect seahorse? I'm sure. Yeah, I don't really know why it's called that name. I, I mean, I've seen many seahorses. They all look to seem to seem uh, to swim the same way, but ours, I guess, is a little more erect than the others. In general, line seahorses occur in shallow waters off the coast from northern South America northward to Nova Scotia. And they range in height from two and a half to seven and a half inches. So they're certainly not the smallest and certainly not the largest. They're somewhere in between. And uh, they range in color too from anywhere from gray uh, to gray color, brown, orange, yellow, red, or even black, depending on where they are and depending on their mood. You didn't know seahorses are almost like mood rings? Really? Yeah, they get to change color. Why? You're looking at me like, what? You, did you didn't not. know that? I did not. Yeah, they get to change color. They, they can camouflage themselves. So depending on where they're at, some fish like to do that. Like uh, some flounders can do that as well, too. Mm-hmm. They get to camouflage themselves depending on where they are. And so I kind of think like you could figure out the mood of seahorses sometimes by um, the color they're at. That's just my own little personal idea. Well, but one of the most remarkable things about our little seahorse, is the northern line seahorse, that is, is that it seems to be highly adaptable to different habitats, which you're going to need to do anywhere around here because there's so many people, right? There's like 10 billion people, maybe not 10 billion, but there's like 10 million or so that live in this area. And so according to the giant book about fish known as the Ecology of Estuary and Fishes, Temperate Waters of the Western Atlantic, by a good guy named Kenneth Abel. Ever hear of Kenneth Abel before? Really nice guy. Northern lion seahorses can be found along the Jersey Shore in estuary and habitats, including eelgrass beds, which we don't have many anymore, or other vegetation, oyster beds, which we don't have much anymore, salt marshes, which we have a few, and even in deep channels, or even sometimes at the surface over deep water. The seahorse is also found associated with man-made structures, which we have a lot of, like bridges, pilings, and piers. So our seahorse, our northern line seahorse that we could find along the Jersey Shore is pretty adaptable. But what's even more remarkable, ladies, about the northern uh, line seahorse mm-hmm. is that during the winter months, this species can migrate, can move, can swim into deeper waters, yeah. right? Because a lot of people often ask, hey, Joe, 
what happens to seahorses during the wintertime? They often ask you that? Yeah. All the time. At, when I'm on cocktail parties, all the time. People just stop them on the street. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. What are you drinking? And by the way, where do seahorses go during the wintertime? And I tell them, you know, well, from uh, November through March, species of northern line seahorses can migrate to deeper waters. In fact, they're found in deep ocean waters out to the intercontinental shelf up to 223 feet deep. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's so interesting because they're so wonky looking. They are wonky looking. And supposedly divers, divers I've run into at cocktail parties, have found seahorses off of Long Island on the intercontinental shelf where they just lay motionless on the ground like all winter long. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they don't really eat. They just uh, sit there and hang out all winter long. Sort of like, you know, I guess they're hibernating in a way. I'm not really exactly sure. But, you know, they're just hanging out there on the uh, continental shelf, the intercontinental shelf. But this is, if you think about it, it really is amazing because seahorses are built for shallow water environments. They drift along a current. They really don't swim. They really are not good swimmers. They can't swim all that well. Seahorses swim very poorly, in fact. They have really tiny fins, tiny little fins. And because their fins are small, it takes a lot of energy to swim. Seahorses rapidly flutter their dorsal fin 30 to 70 times per second to repel it along or use the pectoral fins on either side of the head to help with steering. But even still, seahorses have no tail fin to help them swim like many fish do. And the slowest moving fish in the world is the dwarf seahorse found in the Bahamas and parts of the United States. It has a top speed of about five feet per hour. So when you think about it, right? No wonder they're laying at the bottom. They're exhausted. They're exhausted, right? They're really tired. Most seahorses can travel anywhere between a tenth of a mile and an hour to a mile and an hour and a half. So a mile and a half is their top speed, and it's rarely reached. For this reason, the seahorse is usually the slowest animal in the sea. And so, I mean, the intercontinental shelf is like 100 miles out, so you could do the math. You could figure this out. It's going to take them a long time. By the time they get there, it's like time to get back. So it's just amazing. They're really poor swimmers, and yet they're going out to the continental shelf to spend the wintertime. That, to me, is an amazing journey. If you could put, like, a little camera... On a seahorse. That'd be a very little camera. Yeah, very little camera on a seahorse. And just see, like, how does it do that? How does it actually travel to the intercontinental shelf and spend the wintertime over there? You'd have to speed it up, like, five times the normal rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a little boring. But, yeah, absolutely. So it's just an amazing journey. Now, I will tell you, um, there is some evidence to suggest that not all seahorses, not all northern line seahorses do that incredible migration. Um, the seahorses in Chesapeake Bay, for example, their population of northern line seahorses tend to overwinter in the bay themselves, in the deep channels in the bay. And I suspect that some of the smarter seahorses probably do the same thing in New York Harbor. They probably spend their time uh, in the deep channels. But if you have seahorses in Barnicut Bay, there's really no deep channels over there. So where do they go? Do they go to the continental shelf? Are those the ones that are heading out there? It's, you know, there's still more study to be done on where are exactly where does all our northern line seahorses go for the wintertime. But that is, for the ones that do, that is a remarkable journey. Mm -hmm. So you might be asking yourself, hey, Joe, how did it all begin for seahorses? Well, you know, seahorses are actually uh, actually related to pipefish. 
and sea dragons, and they evolved during the last 50 million years or so, around the same time that the great white shark ancestors started to appear in our waters. And fossils of extinct seahorses species have been found in Central Europe that date back to approximately 13 million years ago, though modern-day seahorses probably started to take shape around 3 million years ago. And seahorses are thought to have evolved their upright posture in response to an increase in shallow water habitats, especially seagrass beds that started to form between 33.9 to 23 million years ago. So just another proof that, you know, seahorses really do like shallow waters. And it's even more remarkable that some seahorses are known to migrate far out to the continental shelf to spend the wintertime. So you might be asking yourself, so seahorses... You know, how do they how do they live so long? How do they been around for so long, millions of years, if they're such poor swimmers? What's some things do they have in their favor? What do you think might be in their favor? I don't know. I mean, they look so delicate, too. Yeah, they're yeah. very delicate. Um, maybe are they camouflageable? Yes, yeah, seahorses are expert at camouflage. They're able to hide in some areas due to body blending in so well. The camouflage allows them to remain well protected against various types of predators. Has a hard time for them to find those seahorses when they blend in so well. They're so small and they blend in so well with their natural habitats. Seahorses also have excellent eyesight and their eyes are able to work independently on either side of their head. This means they can look forwards and backwards all at the same time. This is particularly useful as they hunt for food by sight. And also seahorses, as I mentioned before, have bony bodies, bony outside bodies. They're bony. The bodies of seahorses are protected by an external armor of interlocking bony plates. Oh. Yeah. Unlike, you like bony things, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unlike most other fish, seahorses have an exoskeleton. Their bodies are made up of hard external bony plates. They're fused together with a fleshy covering, and they don't have any scales like most other fish. Isn't that incredible? They're almost primitive. Not kosher. Yeah. <laughs> this is what protects them from predators, predator fish. But what does a seahorse eat? What does a seahorse Anybody know what a seahorse eats? Well, they have that. Sea hay. <laughs> That's a good one. You should put that on the internet because most of the jokes on the internet for seahorses are pretty bad. Well, they have that little funky mouth, so they probably eat small things like plankton. Yes, they love to eat shrimp and plankton. Who can tell me what plankton is? Small microscopic Yes. The You'd be surprised how many people don't know anything about plankton other than a character from SpongeBob. Mm. So they love to eat shrimp and plankton and... They must eat their food whole because they don't have teeth to chew it up. I'm losing my teeth, by the way. Anyway, so I'll look like a seahorse. Seahorses tend to eat all the time. Did you know that? Seahorses eat all the time. Their long tube-like snout enables seahorses and their cousin, the pipefish, to suck their prey rapidly. They're experts at the technique of sucking up their food. In fact, the northern line seahorse and some other species of seahorse have been recorded as sucking up, passing plankton in fewer than six milliseconds. Wow. Yeah. Experts. And juveniles are even faster. Juvenile northern uh, line seahorses, they could suck up fish, plankton, at 2.5 milliseconds. They are experts at sucking. 
Scientists do. Yeah. Scientists are crazy. But you know, with all this wild sucking, it brings to mind reproduction. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Seahorses have learned to reverse their sex roles, ladies, when it comes to raising their young. Uh -huh. Just think about that for a minute. Think about how different the world would be if men were able to carry babies. I'm not saying the world would be better. I'm just saying the world would be different. It would be different, all right. It would be totally different if Eternity men... leave would be like 15 years <laughs> to start. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah it would be totally different. Mm -hmm. Alas, it's not that way. No. But the males, the male seahorses, are the ones that will carry the eggs in a placenta-like broad pouch. When I was a little boy, I asked my parents just for that. Can, Mom, Dad, can I have a placenta-like broad pouch? <laughs> just like a seahorse, I can carry my toys. <laughs> they told me to shut up. You can watch the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> that placenta-like broad pouch is just like the pouch of a kangaroo used for carrying its young. So this seahorse has many different body parts that resemble many different animals, hmm. not just the horse. For our northern line seahorse along the Jersey Shore, mating takes place from May through August, and it reaches a peak in July. Males can carry as many, over 1,000 embryos in their pouch, like 1,500 embryos in their pouch. Isn't that amazing? That is unreal. That Such is unreal. a small organism yeah. having that many babies. Yeah. A man. A, yeah. A of course, male. not all survive, but some do. And did you know, did you know that seahorses can dance? The cha-cha? <laughs> it's true. They can dance. They dance a lot. Seahorses do dance. Aww, the, yeah. yeah, it's perfect for Valentine's Day, right? The male and female seahorse come together repeatedly every morning to dance together to reinforce their pair of bonds. Aww, that's so romantic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, they change color as they move together, sometimes with tails intertwined. The dance also helps the pair assess each other's reproductive status. So basically, if the male you know, messes up on the dance steps, yeah. eh, not too good, mm -hmm. not too good. So once the female's ready, the female has a penis equivalent protrusion from the bottom of her torso. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say anything at that. <laughs> But from this, she transfers her pear-shaped eggs into the male's broad pouch. And why does the male seahorse do all this? Because male pregnancy means the male is certain he's the father. Oh, see? They don't need any Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah, no more needed. <laughs> <laughs> you know it had to be something like that, right? That's the reason. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make sure he was the dad of those young. Yeah. Seahorses, man. They get around. Yeah. Seahorses are also monogamous, which means that once the male and the female seahorse become a couple, they stay together for life or until one dies. So that's, uh, that's pretty nice. The eggs remain in the broad pouch between 20 to 21 days, and the broad pouch protects the developing embryos and provides them with oxygen. Once the eggs are ready to hatch, the father seahorse holds fast to an object with his tail, then bends backward and forward rapidly, opening the pouch to let the young seahorses out. These motions are repeated until that pouch is emptied of all the little tiny seahorses, and each young seahorses, seahorses emerge from that broad pouch headfirst 
and able to swim freely. Each is a miniature copy of the adult line seahorse, and each is about the size of a tiny little M&M. I have seen that on the internet. Yeah. It is. You should go check that out, right? So just press pause on the podcast. Check that out on the internet. It really is adorable. It really is an amazing sight to watch. But I have a question. <laughs> yes. Yes, book, Chad. But if the female has a penis and the male has a pouch, then why isn't the female just a male? How do you know the female's a female? Is this a stupid question? Like, why? <laughs> well, so how is she going to get fertilized? Um, I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but isn't she just the male? So it's not really like a true penis. It's a okay. penis-like. Okay, okay. It's Sorry. penis-like. I don't mean, I just all of a sudden it's, it's like, you know, what I can, I'm not going to say, but it's okay. penis-like. Okay, okay. Not penis-light, penis-like. Oh, okay. L-I-K-A-E. Penis-ish. Penis-ish. <laughs> Penis-ish, yeah. It's not a true penis. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Okay, and he doesn't have a true... He's got a broad pouch. He has a broad pouch, not a uterus. So, there you go. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, you could could look for one. Maybe some do. I don't know. Anything's possible, Jen. Anything's possible. Anyway, those new babies... Very good question, by the way. There are no stupid questions, only stupid answers. And we're full of stupid answers. (laughs) So the new baby seahorses find other baby seahorses and float together in small groups, clinging to each other, all uh, using their tails. That's really kind of cute, huh? Mm-hmm. Unlike kangaroos, though, baby seahorses do not return to that pouch. These guys have it tough and must find food and hide from predators as soon as they're born. Now, again, not all those little baby um, seahorses are going to make it. Some are going to be food for fish and crabs and other things like that, and also seabirds. But by October, for those that have survived, those little northern line seahorses are up to three inches in length and reach their maximum size at approximately eight to 12 months after swimming away from the broad pouch. And what are some of the predators of seahorses? What are some of the critters want to eat those seahorses? Who really likes eating seahorses? Believe it or not, there's people in Asia that eat seahorses. I believe it. Yeah, they're crazy. They'll eat just about anything. Mm -hmm. In general, adult seahorses are believed to have few natural predators due to their ability to camouflage along with their unpaddable bony plates and spines. Right. Yet larger fishes prey on adults and juveniles, including dolphinfish, tuna, and some species of sharks, as well as crabs, rays, skates, and even some seabirds. And this is kind of sad. You know, uh, sometimes seahorses, people will capture seahorses in nets and keep them as pets in their aquarium. Yeah, when I was, um, you know, looking up seahorse jokes in Google, the first thing that came up was seahorses for sale. Yep. Yeah, so it's really kind of sad because, as you know, sometimes those parental males have been documented as cannibalizing small numbers of their own young because they get so hungry. Because, again, seahorses like to eat all the time. And so people don't tend to take care of their pets, Mm -hmm. fish, and so they don't feed them all the time. And so some of those males and females, as they give birth in those tanks, will just eat their own young. It's really kind of sad. Also, too, I've known uh, people have told me if people don't keep their tanks clean, 
Uh, there's lots of parasites that will attack those uh, seahorses as well, too. Mm. So really, it's not a good idea unless you really can take care of your seahorses. Don't keep seahorses as pets. And that brings us to threats to seahorses. And there are quite a few threats to seahorses, including our northern line seahorse. Far and away, the largest threat to seahorses. No surprise. Guess who it is? It's humans. humans. Yeah, the line seahorse is listed by the World Conservation Union, a red list, the IUCN, as vulnerable, and their population is in decline. We're losing, slowly losing the line seahorse, including the northern line seahorse along the Jersey Shore. Every year we're getting fewer and fewer species, or fewer and fewer, the population is declining, I should say. This species is often targeted with the aquarium and the pet trade fishery, right? Lots of people go out and capture them and... You know, they want to put them into pets or aquariums. And, you know, it's really isn't a good thing to do. Let wildlife uh, be wild. Legal and Ill- illegal trade for ornamental displays. You know, and this we've talked about this before. You go on to eBay. You can go on to various websites and you can buy dried seahorses. And, you know, where are some of those dried seahorses coming from? From the wild. Sometimes, they, you know, they raise them into aquariums. But they die a horrible death because what happens? How does a seahorse become dried? They just take them out and suffocate. Yeah, yeah. They take them out out of the aquarium and they just put them in the sun to dry out. Really is a horrible way. I don't think people should do that. Yeah. I mean, that's some bad juju. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just horrible. And then also there's traditional Chinese medicine, you know, those things that, you know, if you take like uh, the bone of a uh, elephant or a bone of a tiger, makes your penis grow and things like that, which is just, it's not true. It doesn't do that. None of that ancient medicine really will make anything grow or disappear. In fact, lots of those cases, it's like if you're taking the horn of a rhinoceros as medicine, um, it's really the horn of my rhinoceros is just made from the same thing like your fingernails. And trust me, when I was young, I was very nervous. I was biting my fingernails all the time. Yeah. It didn't make me healthy. It just made me sick. Yeah. <laughs> More than 20 million of seahorses are estimated to be traded each year for Chinese medicine. Hundreds of thousands of seahorses are sold for the aquarium trade, driven primarily by North American, North American people. Most of these seahorses are juveniles where they usually die within a short period of time. But it's not only that. Pollution of oceans destroy habitats and the food supply for many species. Pollution along coastlines, change of the aquatic environment, killing plants and making the areas really not good for seahorses. They have a hard time finding places where they can attach to and, um, and really just hide into as well, too. So commercial fishing operations tend to scoop up seahorses as well as other fish in their nets. There's lots of bycatch. Some people hunt seahorses as well for souvenirs or to be dried and used as medicine in some cultures. So what can you do? What can you do to help seahorses? Well, you can refuse to buy seahorse souvenirs and wild-caught seahorses for the aquarium trade. If you see uh, seahorses in the aquarium, ask those people who are in charge of the aquarium, where did you get your seahorses from? Or is it coming from sustainable methods? You want to read, I'm sorry, what? I was agreeing with you. Yeah, you want to reduce ocean pollution and you want to promote open space conservation along those coastlines as well, too. We need natural coastlines to protect our coastal wildlife. Yeah, have you ever seen this picture that's always, you know, it's a picture of like pollution. There's a seahorse clinging to a plastic Q tip. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. 
We love seahorses at Save Coastal Wildlife. We hope you do, too. Thanks to everyone out there who took some time out of their busy life to listen to our podcast. We're so grateful that you did. And thanks to Jen and Samantha for helping me with the podcast. Anytime. Always fun. Ditto. But more importantly, thanks to you guys for listening. I'm Joe Reynolds, Executive Director of Save Coastal Wildlife, an environmental nonprofit dedicated to educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. And you can find out more about Save Coastal Wildlife at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. That's www.savecoastalwildlife.org. Until next time, farewell from the world-famous Jersey Shore. Remember to be kind not only to people, but to animals as well. And now it's time, boys and girls, for your sing-along. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sailing in the bay, what will we find today? Won't come anymore Protect and preserve the wild